0: This month is the topic of missiology. Everybody say missiology. Missiology. And that is the study of missions. So... We are called as Christians to go uh, evangelize. That means to spread the good news. The gospel means good news. We are called by Jesus to go spread that good news that you don't have to work towards salvation, that you don't have to do enough stuff to impress God. The good news is that Jesus loves you. Just call upon his name and you'll be saved. Isn't that great news? And so all this month, uh, the month of February, is the month uh, for us in Mill Sunday School, missiology, studying missions, studying evangelism. We're going to look at uh, the world, global missions, uh, and on and on. And so this month, uh, we have a guest speaker who I'll introduce in a second. But before I introduce our guest speaker, if you're newish, if you're brand new to Sunday School, if you've never been here before, looks like I see a few new faces, you can fill out a timer Card, which is uh, some of the tables have them. I think the back table has them. If you fill out a first-timer card, we'll give you a gift just for saying thanks for coming to the Mill Sunday School. But um, are you guys ready to study some missions? Yeah. I want to introduce Evan Martin. He is a really cool guy. He, he was associate pastor of the Mill for a very long time and, and did missions for the Mill. Uh, took us to China. Anybody go to China? Took us to Africa. Anybody go to Africa? And uh, did such a great job with that, that Global Missions, the New Life Missions, stole him away from the mill. But we have the pleasure this morning of hearing from our very own Evan Martin.
1: Morning. Uh, Thank you guys for coming on Super Bowl Sunday. I know you guys have so much to party about uh, this afternoon, so... um, But... Yeah, Thank you, Joe, for having me, and thank you, Mill Missions teams, for being here. This is kind of a dream of mine to have uh, Mill Missions and Mill Sunday School merge. When I first uh, came to New Life as a part of Mill staff, uh, it was uh, a little over five years ago, and and the Mill was meeting in the tent, and it was super scary as as a new guy to just show up there and try to figure out, how do I get to know everybody? And so... Um, I, what I did, honestly, is I said, all right, I'm going to go to Sunday school every week. And so I went and I was like, man, I'm supposed to be on staff here and I don't know anybody and there's so many people to get to know. There was probably, oh, you know, 500 people meeting at the mill uh, at that point in the tent. And, and I went and I remember it was my, I think my fourth or fifth week at Sunday school and I walked in, we were meeting at Pikes Peak Community College back in the day, for those of you guys who remember. Anybody, anybody have been at Sunday school since then, besides me and Joe? Ooh, look at that. Eddie? Yes. Uh, just a few of you guys. So, uh, but I walked in, and it was my fourth or fifth Sunday, and somebody, I don't even, I don't even remember who it was, but from across the room, they said, Evan, Hey. Come sit with us. Man, that made my world. And, and that's coming from, you know, a, a staff member, a pastor here. And so I just know that uh, you guys who who are leaders here at Sunday school and are leaders at the mill, uh, you team leaders for missions, it means, it means a whole lot when you just maybe remember somebody's name, save a seat for them. Maybe you weren't even planning on saving a seat for him, but you had a seat open and and you just invite them just be aware that that can really change uh change somebody's life change somebody's day for sure and I know for I know for me it it helped me say yeah this is where I belong this is this is who I am so um we uh, uh, let me just be honest uh I am super nervous about this message uh I was telling Joe about this um I I've had something kind of stern in my heart for like two weeks about a verse that I, I was just reading, and and it jumped out to me, and I was like, man, that is, that's great. Just just kind of what I felt like God was speaking to my heart personally out of one verse of the Bible. And so I've been dwelling on it for, for probably a couple of weeks and um, had had this idea of what I'm going to do, and, and I might look ridiculous, but um, that's, I guess that's Okay. Um, but I, I did it and, and last night I was, I was sharing it with my wife, Emily. We've been married for eight years and, and, uh, I, I learned a long time ago to, to kind of throw some things out in front of her and, and truly when you guys, when you guys get married, hopefully you guys can find a spouse, uh, that is as loving and caring and as wise as Emily. And, and so I, I explained to her what I was going to do and she was like, uh, i don't think that works i was like "Mm, that's all i got (laughs) and so and so for hours legitimately hours last night we had our uh, we have three kids and she had our nine month old in in her arms trying to keep him asleep as as i had the kitchen light on and and we're hashing this through but um if, if any of you guys have ever heard me speak, then you've, you've heard Emily preach and she doesn't get to, uh, get up on, on stage, um, and, and speak into a microphone. Maybe someday she will. But, um, what, what is inside of me is refined by what's inside of her. And so, um, but if I look foolish, it's her fault too. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, if I look foolish, just imagine how foolish I would have looked if I didn't have her help. So, um, this this week or this month is going to be, um, if you're not going on missions, uh, that's okay. Um, because what I'm going to do is I'm just going to blend Mill Sunday School with Mill Missions. So if you're not on a team, don't worry. I'm not going to bore you with team logistics and protocol and tell you that you have to show up to team meetings and to respect your team leader and, and all of that. Um, it's, it will be a blend. But if you are on a team, realize Everything that I'm trying to share with you guys this month are hopefully they're tools that you can take overseas onto the, onto the teams that, uh, that, you're, that you're on so that you can be a better missionary for a short-term trip. So um, let me start by saying this. The process of being part of a team is, is this. I think that you guys start off as just a random group of people. And as Parker and Aaron and Joe and and myself and everybody else involved in missions, we want to take groups of people... And turn them into something more than a group, and I think this is the progression, and you 'll be able to tell in your mind and, and if you 're not on missions, maybe it's your maybe it's your mill leadership team or it's your um, school work project or something like that. but this is the progression that we want to take you guys in. We want you guys to go from a group which is defined as any collection or assemblage of persons or things that kind of makes us a group today. Um, we don't know everybody's name here. Maybe you guys know the names of the people that are at your tables. Uh, maybe some of you guys don't. Um, and so we're just kind of a random gathering of people, which is a group. The next step in that prog- in the progression is to become a team, which is defined as a number of persons associated in some joint action. So I, I love it when people say, yeah, he or she is on my team. But when we really look at the definition of a team and it 's a number of persons associated in some joint action, that seems kind of like distant. It seems like i 'll shake your hand, but give you a stiff arm, like yeah, we 're on a team, but this is only going to last till June or this is only going to last until I graduate and so So I think we we've Changed the definition of team in our mind to mean something more than what this is saying that it does. And so our goal in missions is to get a group of people, put them on a team, and then walk them through a progression so that they become a family. Now, the family, the definition of a family, you, typically it's like brother, sister, sibling, parent, uh, child. But the 10th definition that I found says a group of people who are generally not blood relations, but who share common attitudes, interests, and goals. And so as we send people to the nations to change nations, we could send a group of people overseas, but that's just like United Airlines and American Airlines and British Airways. They do that all the time. They send groups of people overseas. They're not in the missions business, right? And so it tells us that we, as we progress in discipleship, as we grow into what this means, then it means that we have to take groups of people, put them on teams where there is a level of commitment, but then beyond that, what your team leader is responsible for, and then what you guys, just as team members, are responsible for is moving into what's, what we would call, call a family. Well, let me speed through this because this is definitely uh, not what I came here to talk about. But um, team meetings. Some of you guys have had your first team meeting. Some of you guys on Mill Sunday School can remember the first time you uh, joined together probably in that kitchen. It's where you guys still meet together and pray before Sunday School happens. Um, first, first gatherings, well, let's admit it, they can just be awkward. It's like walking into an elevator with somebody. You know. It's like you dare not say anything. But the funny thing about awkwardness is if you just acknowledge the awkwardness, it it goes away, or it becomes immensely more awkward. And so um, I had a friend in college that that would do that because everybody would come home after class and have to take the same elevator, and so sometimes you'd end up in a packed elevator uh, with your friends, and other times you'd be in the elevator, the doors are closing, and somebody races down the hallway just to bust open the doors, and then it's just you and him in the elevator for like eight floors, you are like... Nobody says anything. So um, that is kind of what being on a team is like at the very beginning. But what you can do to exponentially increase this prog- the progress of, of your group becoming a team and then becoming a family, just acknowledge those awkward moments. Be the, be the funny guy. Be the guy that reaches out the hand and, and introduces yourself and, and kind of breaks the awkwardness. And so um, that, I think that tells you when people when people do that and they have the ability to move groups of people into a team and a family that makes them a leader. And so my admonition for for being on a team is is this, you better lead, you better follow, or you better get out of the way. And so some of you guys, some of you guys have designated roles. I'm I'm a co-leader or I'm a team member. Then then you know what? if you're If you 're a team leader, then lead don't make it awkward. Come up with icebreakers, come up with different games that you guys can do and and I think this this spans all of life because when I was in college and did group projects and and I just thought, man, I hope I never work with this guy or this girl you know because they're terrible what they do, or they thought that of me because um, I was a procrastinator and didn't get my stuff done. Um, what I realized is you're going to end up working, working as a part of a team for the rest of your life, unless you never find a job and live at your parents' house until you're 40. So, but even then, you're kind of part of a team slash family. So, um, so what you have to realize, hey, listen, whenever you're in a group, make the most of it, okay? Uh, write this down. The level to which your team achieves is directly linked to your willingness to follow. The level to which your team achieves is directly linked to your willingness to follow. So I think I think so, so many times, and maybe at New Life Church, we scream leadership so much, be part of mill leadership, be part of servant volunteer leadership, be a mill missions team leader, be this, be that, that we forget to put the emphasis on we need people who know what it takes to be a good follower. And some of you guys are going to go on missions and you're going to think, boy, I, I don't think I ever want to be a team leader. And that's okay. That, that, there, there's a certain gift there that's required to be just somebody who's on the team and follows. And serve your leaders, serve your team leaders the best that you can because you are responsible for the level to which your team will attain simply by um, your ability to follow. So, okay so that 's just kind of real typical uh, mission stuff, and I know you guys are at the beginning of of jumping on the teams, having team meetings, and having uh, awkward moments in in that, in those gatherings some of you guys i know I know some of the teams I was looking at the team list, and I was like that team's going to have way too much fun so there's there's some of you guys you never had an awkward moment in your life um, because you just you just came in and threw a party and it was like man what 's your name ah! so um, so but that, that, some of you guys are, some of you guys are there. Some of you guys are like, yeah, we've had, we've had one team meeting and then like the big team meeting and I can't remember, I can't remember eight of the 10 names that I'm supposed to remember. Uh, this is bad news. Um, you are just getting bagels at the back and, and somebody said hi to you and you're like, I don't even know if she's on my team. I just can't, <laughs> just can't remember. So, um, <clears throat> that's just called brain exercises and read some books to train your brain to start thinking, uh, memorize, memorize, <laughs> memorize names. So, um, okay. I'm going to highlight each, each week here. I'm going to highlight one of the countries that Mill Missions is, is, um, going to. And so, um, what, what I, what I do want to say is it's, it's not too late to join a team. Um, I didn't ask Parker this, but I'm sure that Parker can facilitate. If you, guys, if you guys sit here and you're like, I'm an idiot for not joining Mill Missions, uh, you're right. Um, and so uh, you're going gonna, you're gonna, to... The weather's going to get warm here in Colorado Springs for like the three weeks that it does get warm here. And, um, and you could be somewhere cold during those three weeks. Um, but yeah, you guys, you guys, it's not too late to join onto a team, um, especially guys. Let me tell you this, guys... Don't let girls be the only people that change the world. Uh, girls on missions outnumber guys immensely. That's, I almost gave the answer to a quiz question away. So um, there's a question on the quiz about that. You guys are going to get a pop quiz. But um, guys, we need more guys to go on missions. Man up, huh? Like if you're here and you've never gone on missions before um, and you're a guy, come talk to me afterwards and uh, I'll tell you how it will change your life because it, ch- it changed my life changed. It changed who I was in the core, okay? Because I think missions is the catalyst that your soul yearns for, and and you'll never understand it until you go, and there's people that have gone all over the world here that are just crazy missionary freaks, and, and, and I'm included in that, and you guys look at us, and you're like, man, I got a I gotta job, and I got I to gotta earn money, and uh, all of us do, and so that's not a, that's not an excuse. So go on missions, please, please go on missions. It will it will change your life. It will make you a better husband. It'll make you a better uh, father. I'm speaking to the guys here, and so um, if you're a guy, and if you're if you're a guy and haven't gone on missions, uh, do it. So talk to one of the team leaders here, or come talk to me um but if you come talk to me uh I will convince you to go so maybe you're not ready for that so I want to highlight um one nation each month each week here during this month and so uh let me just fly through Peru how many raise your hands how many of you guys are going to Peru wow scattered there's like one random person back there come come join your team um <laughs> I can see it awkward moments already I don't know where my team is um Okay, Peru. A, a crazy fact about Peru is that they found a civilization that's one of the six oldest civilizations in the history of the globe uh, in the Peru area, and it's called the Norte Chico civilization. Um, it it kind of had its its reign and and. Uh, it, Its time frame was the 30th century BC through the 18th century BC. That's a long, long time ago. You know how long ago that was? That makes it contemporaneous with the ancient pyramids of Egypt. So, some of you guys are going to Egypt, right? There you go. You guys are connected a little bit better. Um, So,. So that that makes that the same time. So when you guys go to Egypt and you're looking at the pyramids, I hope you guys are praying for the teams that are going to be in Peru at that same time, remembering that there were civilizations that began uh, at about the same time. And so then you guys probably know after that, the the most famous uh, civilization that kind of came to being um, in that area were the Incas. Uh, the Incas there. Uh, Parker and I got to go to Machu Picchu. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal place. It's just, it's just overwhelming in beauty, and then the history. You're just like, what in the world? These people were. I thought, I thought, man, they're, you know, they're building houses out of stone, and it's okay. And then the guy that that gave us the tour, he started going into exactly what they did know, and some of the things that were set up there. And this was a brilliant, brilliant civilization that kind of disappeared and and they think it was because of the Spanish Inquisition because... um, because the Incas were were around in the 15th century, and then uh, Christopher Columbus came along, and and the Spanish Empire conquered um, that whole region, and started a horrible thing called the Spanish Inquisition. You guys can look that up, and I'm just throwing things out for you you Peru teams uh, to kind of go through, and you guys can you guys can study that and share it with your teams, um, but. The Catholic Church, you guys will go over there. you guys will see some amazing amazing Catholic cathedrals there that are still that are still there, beautiful places, and uh, they were built as early as the sixteenth century peru didn 't gain its independence until eighteen twenty one so that 's a relatively young nation. if you think about uh, kind of a colony that was under Spanish control until 1821 most of south america uh had already gained its independence at that time and spain as well as the citizens of peru kind of held on to the the spanish um empire there so um but the last 15 years for peru has has seen an economic surge and so when you guys go there and you guys are walking through lima you will see parts of lima that look like Colorado springs look like denver um, there's there 's a Starbucks right right at the ocean it 's amazing um, there 's this whole there 's this whole area that looks like like shops at briargate that 's right there so hopefully you guys can get there kind of on your free day and and take a look at the ocean and, and grab some starbucks that you hadn 't had in like two weeks so uh, I think you guys you guys will be going to um, to three different locations four teams going to three different locations. One team's going up north to Piura. That's, that's uh, my favorite city in the world, my favorite people in the world as far as missions is concerned. Um, I could, I could go on and on. Parker and I, Parker saw me ball like a little baby when I got there with him and, and got to be in the home of the pastor and his wife and family uh, that I've just had this heart connection with. Just, um, just, it's just amazing. Sometimes my translator will leave. I try to get to Peru every six months and my translator will leave. I'm trying to learn Spanish. Um, and so, um, but me and this pastor, he hardly speaks English. I hardly speak Spanish and we'll share meals together. Like, like we grew up together. And so, um, Parker can, Parker can tell you that story, but it's, it's amazing. So Piura, you, you don't, you don't want to go there except for people. The, The town's, not great. Uh, there's nothing to do there. Um, it is. It is warm. That's that's a bonus. Uh, the other. There's another team that's going to Iquitos. You guys will get on the Amazon. That is jungle. See the thing about Peru is it is the whole world shoved into one country. You have ocean. You have desert. You have mountains. You have jungles. You have the Amazon. It's it. You you have. Uh, you have mountains, Cusco, where where two of the teams are going, is 12,000 feet high. When Parker and I got there, I thought, oh, no big deal. We're from Colorado Springs. We're like 6,500, 7,000 uh, feet up, and and I felt dehydrated. Kind of had a slight headache when I first when I first flew in there. And they have this like tea that they give you, and it's supposed to make you feel better. And it might be placebo, but it worked for me. So, um, so. So some of you guys, in Iquitos, you will get on a boat, go on the Amazon. Um, we're hoping to get you guys to um, dig a well and to um, build, rebuild a house that's really kind of more like a hut for, for a widow, but hopefully it'll be a village that you have to get on a boat every day and go up one of the tributaries of the Amazon. The tributaries of the Amazon look like a snake. You legitimately could get out of your canoe, run across the land peninsula before the canoe made the u-turn except that you'd have a hard time getting through the jungle and might run into some things that you don't want to see so um but Cuzco, amazing city the town square is just a quaint um cool town square you guys are close to machu picchu i'm not going to promise that you're going to get there but we're trying our best to work that into the budget so um and then you guys will all end up in lima for for a debrief um and so um, Lima, there's an amazing church there that models itself after New Life and Hillsongs, and so it's it's an absolutely incredible place to go to. So hopefully, uh, the people going to Peru that kind of whets your appetite, and then uh, everybody else who's not going to Peru, you guys can wake up again now. So, um, okay, what what I want to talk about is is one verse, and in order to talk about one verse, I'm going to throw more verses at you than i've ever thrown out during one sermon so um they're going to try to keep up with me on on the screen uh if you do want a list of verses i can provide that to you afterwards but this is the one verse that we will be at so if you have your bible or if you have a notebook you can you can just jot this down and and look at it maybe later second peter chapter one verse three. three second peter chapter one Verse 3 it says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. I, I was reading that uh, like I said, a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden I th- I stopped at the word through. And sometimes it's good to read chapters. Sometimes it's good to read whole letters of the Bible. Sometimes it's good to just read a verse and say, okay, God, what does that what does that mean for me? And so I was reading this one verse and uh, kind of over and over again. And I stopped at the word through. Through is an interesting word. It's a limiting word. Uh, it's a word that facilitates an action, and, and as I thought on this, I thought, here is God's divine power, just an immense being, okay? He is something that is other than us. It's not just infinite and finite. It's something that is completely other than us, a div- divine power, it's hard to understand, it's, it's very hard to grasp, and it's more difficult even to describe. But his divine power, that something other than us, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So here is a bunch of college and 20-somethings, maybe a few 30-somethings scattered through here. And and this verse tells us that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So that tells us that sin cycles, that tells us that the things that make us feel guilty, those things that make us feel like we're totally inadequate, this, this journey that we walk through in life, where we hit roadblock or speed bump or barricade or whatever it is that we run into, it tells us that his unlimited power has already given us everything we need for life and godliness and maybe that makes us feel a little bit more guilty that when we sin or when we struggle or when we yell at somebody or when we do whatever it is that kind of the enemy would then shout at us and make us feel oppressed or depressed because we think man he's given us everything we need and so especially us who show up early on a snowy sunday super bowl morning uh to come to Sunday school and learn about him, we think, man, I know more than the average person who's just out there in the world trying to be a good Christian because we have such a great church. But then comes that word that he has given it to us through what? Our knowledge of him. So that means that an unlimited being has chosen to limit himself through something that we have control over. And so maybe I just get to do this and I just get to preach to myself and have it come inside of me because I am still so like loving this verse from a couple of weeks ago when it just popped out at me. I, I just thought, man, so, so his divine power, he gives us everything we need for life and godliness, but he chooses to limit himself by what? Our knowledge of him. Say it, say it like you're tracking with me, because I'm, I'm, if you're not tracking with me now, I'm going to confuse you when I start bringing out presents and straws and pipes and stuff. So, um, so w- he limits himself through what? Our knowledge. our knowledge of him. That means every day that we wake up, follow this, if we increase our knowledge of him, we have greater access to divine power to everything we need for life and godliness so any of you guys who are struggling in your life in your spiritual life the bible is is dead or boring to you or you just don't have enough energy to to pick it up at the end of the day just because it hasn't done that maybe you guys need to start going through the verses that you know and and just saying man okay what do i know of him one of the things that I was going to do today, but I, I just don't have time. I'm going to be screaming through this. So you guys are going to have to take uh, notes or listen to this later or just come up to me and say, I didn't understand that. Um, but one of the things I wanted you guys to do as a table or as a group of people was to take a three by five card and write down everything that you know of him. And I thought, I wonder how many people would be able to fill that note card front. How many people would fill that note card front and back? How many people would kind of through the table be like, well, uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You could write that down, right? We know that God loved the world so much so that he gave his one and only son, right? And so we need to, we need to know what we know of him and be able to communicate that. And so hopefully this analogy that I'm gonna th- throw out here works. But um, let me give you an example. Uh, David and Goliath. David ran towards the battlefield with five stones, a slingshot. He left, he left Saul's armor behind and he ran towards a giant that intimidated grown men. That day after day, morning and evening, Goliath would come out and shout blasphemies against Israel, their army, and their God until, until a shepherd boy came out and was like, who is that guy? And why is he yelling? And why are grown men like hiding behind these rocks and trees? Like seriously, grown men in armor would hide behind rocks. Okay. So David's out here just bringing bread and cheese to his brothers. And he's like, what, what's going on? And then you guys know that through the series of events, David ends up on the battlefield and slays Goliath. David's knowledge of the Lord gave him the confidence to race towards Goliath. His knowledge of the Lord had been tested and expanded in his personal life when he confronted and conquered both the lion and the bear. And so his knowledge of the Lord, David knew that he had already been given everything he needed for that moment. See, what happened in the Garden of of Eden was Eve was tempted with knowledge. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at this verse and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, this talks about knowledge. Where else do I know about knowledge? And I flip back to Genesis and, and in Genesis, I realize there's two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil that Satan tempted Eve to eat of that fruit. And this is what I thought. If 2 Peter 1, 3 challenges us to always pursue more knowledge of Jesus, then wouldn't the enemy kind of trick us into pursuing more knowledge other than, apart from, separate than Jesus? Because if there's one thing marked about our generation, if you'll allow me to be included in your generation, is this, is that we have an amazing ability to seek and attain and create new ways of gaining knowledge right because i have an iphone on this phone i can tell you so many things that a decade ago there would i would have i i would have had to like wait for think about this to figure out the weather for tonight and tomorrow i would have had to wait for like colorado springs local weatherman at like what 10 15 10 30 to come in and tell me oh it's gonna snow a little bit tonight and tomorrow right and now on here there's a weather app i could tell you i could tell you the weather in peru if i wanted to okay that's crazy because somebody somebody that we are now connected to in a generational sort of way has sought out a, an ability to gain knowledge that is it's not good it's not bad But it might be a little bit distracting. Is there has there ever been another generation that has the ability to be distracted more so than we? I don't know. And if Peter is telling us that we gain everything we need for life and godliness through our ever ever growing knowledge of Him, then all of a sudden, I I think I think if I'm Satan, what do I do? Give him good things that maybe distract them that this inner desire that I think God has placed inside of us all to gain knowledge then take a good thing and kind of just divert them just a little bit right because now we have we have iPhones we have GPS we have news and weather we have Facebook because Satan's Satan's lie to Eve was that won't you just become more like God and now in a crazy sort of laughable way, Facebook gives us the ability to be a little bit more like God because now we get to see what all of us are doing all the time. That's a little bit weird, right? <laughs> that's that's like a new definition for stalker, right? <laughs> like like you, have, you have no idea who's following you at any given moment. Um, and so, but but isn't that a little bit about before facebook myspace and any other thing like that twitter then then who who was the only who was the only being that knew what everybody was doing at all times god right and now we have become just a little bit more like god and now i'm going i'm going on tangent and this sounds super crazy but i hope you guys follow me on this is that we have the ability to gain knowledge and maybe that's a god-given desire inside of us that has the ability to distract us from gaining knowledge of him right so second peter 1 3 his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness write this down god has chosen to limit himself And his power. Whenever you find that. That an unlimited being chooses to. On his own terms. Limit his power. Pay attention to that. Second. As our knowledge of him increases. We gain unlimited access. To everything we need. For life and godliness. We gain unlimited access. To everything we need. For life and godliness. So here you are and here begins this crazy analogy and we'll see how this works and and if it doesn't work uh you guys can feel free to tell me that didn't work and uh and i'll, ne- I'll never do it again and I'll, I'll save the analogies uh for for like children's church because i was walking in with all this stuff and i was surprised somebody didn't say dude are you are you doing children's church today because it's it's crazy so tyler's going to help me here in a little bit when i call him up but you can just just wait. Right. <laughs> just wait. <right. laughs> You can You can stand up there, but it would be a little bit awkward so, um, so. okay so <clears throat> here 's the deal: We get saved. Somebody at some point tells us John three sixteen or however it is we walk into church, we have an overwhelming sense of our human frailty and god 's great mercy and grace. We get saved and <clears throat> we come to this understanding of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that who, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? That's a basic understanding if you guys wrote on that 3x5 card. You guys would have expressed some level of that, maybe not quoted it the whole way. And as as you are a, a new Christian, you you realize... John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so in other countries, there's definitely some of this where people get saved, but then just accept Jesus as one of a household full of gods. In India, when you guys go over there, you guys will realize that. Churches are being planted like crazy, but one of the hindrances of, or one of the not-so-great things about Christian churches being planted there is that people just accept that as one more of their gods. And so, um, you're a new, you're a new Christian and, and you get that, that, okay. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. That's a, that's a limiting verse also saying that, listen, if I say this, if I make this claim, then none of these other things can be true or some of those things can be true, but I have to be false. And it's the C.S. Lewis that Jesus, Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic or the Lord, by that statement alone, and that verse, you can witness to people um, in in this day and age who say, "Well, you know, church just isn't for me." But uh, you know, I ex- I'm accepting of of all religions, and so I hope that people would be accepting of what I believe. And you say, "Well, here's what I believe: that Jesus made this great claim. So he's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord." And you have to make a decision based on that. Then you, you start reading in the Psalms and, and somebody gives you a Bible and you're, and, you're, and you're coming to church every week now and, and it's all new. You, you, you still haven't maybe set some things aside, but, but you're, you're starting to understand it. And, and you read Psalm 65, verse 3, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you, you forgave our transgressions. And you say, thank God, I know that that was me, that when, when you found me, I was, I was overwhelmed in my sin. But you forgave my transgression and so and so you 're doing this, and then maybe somebody pulls out uh, Hebrews chapter five that says, "In fact, though by this time you you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of god 's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature." Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, and so I, I pulled up this straw because because I thought this is kind of the the analogy that as as we're going as we're going through life, our knowledge of Him we're we're kind of limited by this. If this straw represents our knowledge of Him, then Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, tells us that that maybe we're still just drinking milk that this writer yearned to tell his audience, listen, I want to take you guys from here to over here to give you all these good things, but I can't because I'm limited by, by your knowledge. It would be like if Joe Kirkendall went in and taught kindergarten. Joe is limited by the knowledge of his students. Does that make sense? The man has a doctorate. But if he's teaching in elementary school, the kids are going to look at him like, huh? I shared an office with him. I know how brilliant he is. And so I've looked at him like, huh? And that's what kept me coming back to Sunday school because I was like, I'm learning from this guy. I love being part of this community, but there's something building inside of me. But understand this, you can put a doctor in elementary school classroom, but he won't be able to share all of his knowledge because why? Because he is limited by their knowledge. And he can share nuggets, but he can only shove through truth that will fit through their knowledge and so you read hebrews and all of a sudden you say god give me more knowledge of you i want to have more access to everything i need for life and godliness connected inside of your divine power but god i don't want to be an elementary school christian i want to graduate and and move on and so somebody tells you this and if you're going on missions write this down Philemon, verse six. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Wow! I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And so, Tyler, if you'll jump on up here and and <clears throat> help me with it, um, Tyler. Tyler is a friend of mine. Um, I will I will tell you guys. Uh, uh about his story just really briefly but he he's an amazing guy amazing man of god he he went through uh DLA and um 24-7 correct one year twenty four seven, one one year of DLA and now he's been serving uh about a half a year in the global ministries department his goal is to get onto the mission field long term and so we're working through uh what that means helping him to have kind of a safe place to process raise funds to to go he's uh he's been in been in contact with Britt hancock crazy new life missionary down in to the indians of of mexico going to little villages where the doors are like this high because the people are this high so um and and tyler went there ate the food Drank the drank the water down there, and uh, he's he's kind of crazy. He's got a mohawk, so um, so. Anyways, so he's going to represent divine power. He's going to represent God. He's going to represent um, the 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 beam through which we get this. And so I'm going to fly through this. But Philemon chapter 6 says this, but in sharing your faith, you'll come to a full understanding. And so you realize this is the knowledge that you have of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you realize that you're being limited by that. And so what do you do? You come to Sunday school. You join a small group. You jump onto a missions team. And then it's kind of like you wake up one day and you no longer have a straw. But you have a PVC pipe. <laughs> this, all of a sudden, this says this says our knowledge of him. So this is just a further representation of it. It's just it's just a little bit more. It's us going from elementary school to middle school. So we're, by joining a small group, you start to sit in on these discussions and you start to these verses that that you've read and internalized or heard at church. All of a sudden, now Philemon says, "Man, you should." Share that faith. And then you come to a full understanding. And so you sit down at a table or at a small group or, or you just call up a friend and, and you go grab coffee and, and you start sharing that. And their answers and their questions to you gives you just a little bit more. And their perspective makes you think of, of God in a, diff- in a different way. And so now your knowledge has increased. And through that knowledge, all of a sudden, God can slide through maybe a little bit more truth. And so, so he sends me uh, a a little message. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I open up my Bible because now at the small group, they've asked me to share or, or we've had a discussion. And so it made me, it made me think, I want, I want to know more about this. And God kind of Shoves through my limited knowledge, 1 John 3 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And now all of a sudden, you're not a Christian. You're a child of God and some of these things it, it has a little bit more magnetism to it some of these some of these verses just they they sort of stick a little bit better and then you read John 10, 10 I have come that they may have life and have it to the full Matthew 6 6 but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who's unseen then your father who is who sees what is done in secret will will reward you and and all of a sudden the quiet time moment becomes a little bit more important to you and you find yourself pulling aside from the busyness of the day and you find that quiet place and you say he 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 gave it he gave something to me once god i so want more of you and you're trying to you're trying to look for him and direct your knowledge and that desire for more of him to come and so and so you you're you're doing that um Jesus says if anyone would come after me he must deny himself pick up his cross and follow me and so you realize man this is a tough journey you're going through that and realizing this isn't as easy as that guy said when he called me up front and and I started crying he prayed for me and I accepted the lord or or however that happened for you and and so it becomes it becomes a little bit more difficult and your knowledge of him it it's not it's not just easy to to pick up the Bible and, and read it and, and grow it, becomes this process that you're going to carry this cross and you have to decide, am I all in? Am I going to pick that up and run with it? And then you read Matthew ten thirty two that says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge him before my Father. And, and you think, man, does that talk about workplace Christianity? Does that mean that when I'm at work, that maybe I shouldn't cuss, that maybe I should let my light shine? Does it mean that I have to be a radical Christian that like carries a Bible in my back pocket and and during lunch break I'm just trying to witness to everybody. Not necessarily. But he he just says all of a sudden what you know about him is that he's a God who loves to be acknowledged. And you and you wake up the next time and all of a sudden you realize that your knowledge of him has just has just increased and because because you realize that our God loves to be acknowledged, just not not in a crazy like I'm going to wear a sandwich board and stand up on a on a soapbox on a street corner and, and and preach to somebody sort of way, but just in a way of saying I'm sharing I'm sharing lunch with somebody and they and they ask me a question, and I turn that question back to glorifying God somehow. And so, so you get you get to this point, and and you read Psalm 23. And you say, God, who are you? And he says, I'm your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. And all of a sudden, it means something like, this is a personal God. This isn't just a God that's a church God, that's a Christianity focus on the family new life church god this is a god that wants to be my shepherd that he's going to lead me beside quiet waters and that he tells me that he's the vine and all i need to do is just establish a connection with him and so and so through this comes comes another another verse and and it's one of those moments where maybe some of you guys have had that maybe you guys maybe some of you guys haven't, where you're sitting in quiet time and all of a sudden God just opens up the scripture to you and and you read Matthew 7, 9 through 11, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And I remember, I remember when I was at a store just a grocery store. And we were going through the candy section. And I told, I told my son Noah, you can pick out, you can pick out one treat. And, and he goes, he goes over and he finds the dum-dum lollipops. And he, he says, dad, I want, I want this. And I look down at the, at the lower shelf and there's a bag of like 250 of those things. And, and God spoke to my heart in the aisle of a grocery store because my heart beat for my child. The only the only way you could know is is by being a father, I think, and I thought my son doesn't need this. He can't consume it. He won't it, it'll take him months if not years to get through it. And I bent down and I picked up that bag of 250 Dum Dums and I threw it in the in the in the cart. I said, "Son, that's for you." Because because I, because I want, I want to give good gifts. He was, he was going crazy and he ate like three that day. And that was all he could handle. Jumping off the walls, right? But every time I go into the cupboard and we still to this day have dum-dums, I think, how great does God love me? That I would have a desire to overwhelm my son with those gifts. And so all of a sudden, I have this other this other understanding and hopefully this isn't this isn't too this isn't too crazy my kids can crawl through this and, and have a have a good time doing this but um, our our knowledge of him increases to this capacity and i got to i got to let you guys out of here but but here's the here's the gist of this if joe's teach in elementary school they don't get everything that he knows But as they grow and become into mature adults, then all of a sudden, Joe's able to speak into their lives on a level to which he couldn't a few years before that. And so maybe this journey going from a straw to a PVC pipe to a black PVC pipe to to a kid's play tunnel is just a crazy analogy that, that I wanted to just look like an idiot in front of you guys. But all of a sudden, gifts start coming through there and you can just... Just grab a, a couple random ones and it, it doesn't even matter. But he, all of a sudden, he gives, he gives me a gift. Psalm 4, 3, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. And I think, God, you you set me apart the more the more i attain to godliness and then and then philemon verse six says as you share your faith you you have a full understanding of all that we have and so i i toss i toss that out because now i'm sharing it and everything that got everything that god gives me i'm just like for you oh god tested us you refined us like silver man so now i know when i'm going through hard times that that god is god is helping us he's He's helping to refine us because he values us, not like something that he throws away, but, but like silver. Micah 6, 8, he has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. What God, what does that mean? That you desire to walk with me through that journey? Let me just sit and dwell on that one for a little bit because I don't even know that I can share that because, because that, that means that my God is a personal God. Isaiah 40, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. And for a while I thought, that's a God that doesn't, he doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber. Like, okay, I get it, God doesn't fall asleep. And then all of a sudden I I read that again and I think... He doesn't grow tired or weary. That means, God, you don't grow tired or weary when I go through struggles and trials and fall back from that which I've already attained. That he doesn't get sick of our process. Is that not amazing? That's amazing that he doesn't ever grow weary of us. That, that we, we who struggle and go through, through cycles like that. And, and Amos, he reveals his thoughts to man. An unlimited God reveals His thoughts to man that if I walk humbly with Him, He'll whisper to me His thoughts. Divine power. Everything we need for life and godliness. Zephaniah, he will rejoice over you with singing. Man, Liz, he rejoices over you with singing, right? and that's not going to make it nice thank you we all need help and then and then maybe this last one i'm going to pray and let you guys get out of here psalm 84 better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere and so what do we need for life and godliness we just we need to increase our knowledge of him because then you get you get to that point You get to that point and you say, nothing else matters. Better is one day in his presence than a thousand anywhere else. Than than a thousand Super Bowl parties, crazy friends, hectic day, amazing game, whatever it is. Better is one day. If I can find him when I seek him, then better is one day in that presence. Than a thousand days doing anything else. Anything else. And so missions, how does this tie in? If you're here, don't be here in May. If, if you're here, you might be a leader. You might be a pastor. I, I, don't know that, I don't know that this is me. That Paul said, not that I have already attained all this let us be a generation that doesn't get distracted with knowledge of all these other things and what people do on a crazy random, this is what I'm doing in 42 characters or less or whatever it is. But let us be a generation that seeks God so that that when we go on the mission field, God's given us gifts and we're just throwing them away out to other people so that other people's knowledge of Him increases because better is one day. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, God. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your word. God, continue to speak to us through your word, God. Allow us to increase our knowledge of you and in so doing, increase our passion of you, God. Use us, Jesus, whether it be in Colorado Springs, Colorado, North America, or overseas on missions, God. Use us, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's thank Evan for coming this morning. That's pretty awesome. uh, This announcement is for all of you going on missions. This is uh, Parker Crumbaker. It's pretty cool. That was great, thank you, Evan. Uh, just two quick announcements. Twenty-five um, percent deadline is this Friday. Your two hundred, just so there's no um, there's no confusion. Your two hundred dollars does apply to that. Your two hundred dollar deposit. So there's been some questions about that. Also, if you're on an India team, raise your hand. Team India. All right, you guys, we're going to meet with the contact right after this in the mill office. The mill office is down the hallway and to the right. And so right after I dismiss here, go to the mill office and we're going to meet with Steve Hoffman that uh, put all this stuff together. So anyway, um, you guys are dismissed. Thanks for coming. This will be for uh, the whole month of February. So uh, if you know of people that aren't here, get them here. Thank you.